Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. As an executive leader, you have to have everybody's back, but the question is, who's got yours? I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and my guest today, Executive Coach Simona Spilak, joins us from Slovenia to answer that question. She is not my first guest from Slovenia, and I love to speak with people like her and people like Miha, who has been here. I cannot pronounce his last name, but we get to cover a lot of territory. So about Simona, she is an executive coach to world-class leaders who need a coach and a confidant. That's important. I want you to hear that to help them successfully navigate their world of responsibilities, opportunities, and high-stakes decision-making. She has more than 20 years of experience working in the corporate world at a senior level, And she began her own entrepreneurial journey in 2016. Now she spends her time running an executive search firm in the Central and Eastern Europe region and provides executive coaching services to C-suite leaders and executives, a business that she built from scratch. Simona, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It is so good of you to call in from Slovenia. I'm excited. Oh, hello. Hi. Great being here, and thanks a lot for having me, Denise. I'm so excited. I'm really looking forward. Yes, hello from the sunny Ljubljana, which is the capital city of Slovenia, and I love to say that Slovenia is that small and cozy country in between uh, those European Alps next to Italy and uh, Austria. So everybody who doesn't know where it is, you know now. So that's the country I'm coming from, and that's where I live, and that's where I work from. You know, it's interesting. I rarely check my podcast stats. I'm not interested. (laughs) I am far more interested. I know that sounds terrible, but I'm far more interested in my guests and what you bring to the show. I don't care about numbers and downloads. It's just (laughs) not important to me. But not too long ago, and I may have shared this with you in in our pre-interview, I accidentally somehow found my podcast stats, and all of a sudden it occurred to me. I wasn't looking. I was just (laughs) clicking buttons and went, oh, that's good. And it turns out that while my podcast is very popular in Northern America and in China, the third slot goes to Slovenia. You guys happen to love this podcast. I don't have any. I don't have any answers for that. But I'm so excited to know that Slovenia is paying attention, and here you are. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's a small country, but we are really like a big fan of podcasting and a very developed country with regards the technology and as well coaching. So there are a lot of great small companies and startups in the area of uh, IT technology, digital technology, and we live for that. And we are more a servicing country than manufacturing-based country. So maybe that's the reason. And, of course, Michal was your guest, and he is a Slovene. 
uh, and now doesn't, he doesn't live in Slovenia anymore. But anyway, yeah, so uh, it's a small country, but we are interested in the trends and innovation. No kidding. I mean, I've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. I mean, I've been watching, you know, people like you and Miha, and if I could pronounce his last name, I would. Just whoever's Must listening, just... <laughs> That's why I didn't even try. So, <laughs> if you're listening and you want to know who Miha is, just go to your partner in Success Radio and type in Miha, M-I-H-A. He's been my guest a couple of times. And I'm not sure, sure Simone, if he didn't introduce us as well. Yeah, he did. That's how okay. we know That's how we met. <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, listen, before we, we get too, too far off the, the track here, tell people about you and why this is this is something I really first of all I want you to tell people about you and how you got started mm-hmm. but I really want to go back to the coaching confidant I that we talked about that before and I was so fascinated with that so I'm going to delve into that but before that tell people who you are yeah sure so uh, insta or besides that I'm coming from Slovenia and that small country, I was born in a very, very small village. And as a child, I was really that introvert who didn't need anybody else uh, in the sense of having friends or playing with other kids. I was just like having or saving that time for myself. It was kind of a me time. I was reading a lot, uh, watching TV. And from that area and time of my life, I developed that uh, feeling of really being confidential and being a confidant to somebody because I learned there is so much treasure in the analysis and how people love talking about themselves, Uh, not their secrets, but the things they can't share with other people, their spouses, their colleagues, or even their board colleagues. And that's the area where I actually started already to develop kind of my coaching persona already. I didn't know at that time, but as looking back, I recognized that this is actually period where I created that space for myself to really be interested in people. How they live, what do they do, what motivates them, what's their drive, what are their challenges, and how can I help them to really become more successful, more visible, more satisfied, more themselves. And the interesting thing, Denise, is that actually being that introverted child, I completely changed and I started to socialize and being interested in colleagues and friends and becoming that party animal during my high school and my studying. And uh, it kind of like that growing period which which happened to me after that introverted childhood and uh, it helped me to go after a corporate career and I started uh, to work for an international pharmaceutical giant like LaxoSmithKline or Sanofi and I was responsible for several markets like 12, 13 or 9 markets in Central and Eastern Europe and that gave me the feeling of broadness and openness and I was so much enjoying it and just collecting a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge and uh, being a business leader, I gained a lot of 
understanding, not only from different cultures and different habits people have as employees or just as themselves, as individuals, but I also incorporate that piece of experience into my coaching business. And I believe that a lot of corporate people went from the corporate career uh, transitioning to coaching, and so did I five and a half years ago, but I was kind of smart, I would say. I used that corporate experience and started my brick-and-mortar executive search agency based here in Slovenia, and we are a B2B business, and we work regionally covering 11 markets, and that was kind of a kickoff of my entrepreneurial career. And uh, after a few years, I started to miss uh, kind of a content, the richfulness of uh, every single project you were working on. And uh, it was not only about being the, that top, top executive search or the recruiter headhunter for big international companies, but I really started to think about how I can help employees and people as they are already in the company, how I can help a CEO or a GM as he's already employed and he's in the company really to make the best out of his leadership profile, his leadership style, but as well have them deliver the best results, create a really sustainable long-term vision. And that's how I came up with the idea that I would love to uh, educate myself in the field of coaching. And I started the coaching training, so I've done the Ericsson International Coaching Certification. I've done also two personality profiling licenses with Seville and with process communication models. So I really equipped myself with knowledge and technical background needed to be able to help employees, to be able to help leaders and to coach executives and the leaders in the field where they need the most. And combining that, as you mentioned at the beginning, with that confidentiality and not being only a coach but as well confidant, that's something what I brought from that childhood. I just found it there and I incorporated it in my coaching persona, let's say it like that. And I really love, I adore, and I'm really the most being successful as I work one-on-one. And that's why I'm so focused on leaders and executives, helping them working with me in, on a long-term basis and really working on topics, challenges, issues sometimes also in the areas where they just can't go to the HR and say, you know, I have a challenge with that or to go to their spouse and say, no, I'd love to discuss that or share it with their colleagues because sometimes it can be embarrassing. Sometimes it can impact their self-confidence. Sometimes it's just something that they really are able to share with somebody who is completely neutral and who, has, who doesn't have any, so, any kind of an interest, how they will achieve it and what they are planning to achieve. Just being there, guiding them, and being that solid um, discussion partner opening different fields and segments which they don't believe ever existing and then just guiding them through to achieve whatever they desire so that's kind of a nice story and i love it you know you would think that 
you know, when you're working with a coaching partner or a coach or a mentor that confidentiality is a given, turns out not so much, which is a shame. You know what? Um, I, I, would, I kind of have, I had a discussion with a friend about that because she said, you know what, Simona, but you are so really um, focusing on that confidentiality and everything, but that's something which is like a prerequisite for a coaching, which is true. And I, you know, I was like, you know, actually that's true, but it's also true that every single client who shares a feedback with me or who is either like uh, just sharing with me why he or she decided to work with me, usually one of the sentences is, I love you because I can share whatever I want to and I know it will stay in that room, it will stay on that call, it will stay among the two of us. And I would say that sometimes it's really abused by some of the uh, coaches and it has to do with our personal integrity and ethics as well. So I would not say that it's like just there or prerequisite. Sometimes it has to be earned because, you know, anyway, a lot of... uh, recommendation and referrals go from mouth to mouth, but on the other hand, it's something what I agree with you, not every single coach is aware of that. That's one of the things that we not only are obliged to follow from the ethics point of view, but that there's something what what can be that tremendous competitive advantage, but as well something what drives clients towards us. On the other hand, it's really something which is understood to be there. Otherwise, nobody would work with us. And if once you break that really tiny rule of confidentiality, I don't think that you can work as an executive coach. You can work as a coach, for example, on some maybe middle management uh, positions, and also there everybody will question your integrity. And it's a huge, huge risk for coaches and I don't think that it's like existing everywhere but I would say that in that leadership coaching and executive coaching it's absolutely there and it's something what you can sense already at the first like intake session or get to know each other session and I would also say that it's something what really supports the coachee and the coach to build a trustful and open relationship, which is a prerequisite for a successful coaching. Very much so. You know, I believe in coaches. I believe in mentors. I'm not a coach. I don't consider myself to be one, but mm-hmm. I'm a world-class consult, you know, consultant. Mm-hmm. If just ask me, but I'll you tell know, you I'm world you class. Know, I'm very good at it, but I love it. No, but you know but what, I, Denise? If you're a consultant, you are most probably a mixture of a mentor and a coach because most probably you are sharing best practices. You are somebody who is supporting your team. If you find out that there is a better way to do something, whatever, in the area of marketing, if I remember correctly your profile, then you will go after it. And, you know, it's a combination of mentoring and coaching. Every single employee, every single team lead, every single manager, leader, or an executive, or a VP is a coach and a mentor to somebody. If not in the organization, then at the family. If not in your own company, then you can choose 
a mentee or a coachee from another company or another industry. There is so much potential with mentoring and with coaching. And I believe that a lot, a lot of professionals and leaders are using those competences because uh, lately, in the last few years, coaching really became something what's not, not only like uh, talked about, but there is a lot of good training and a lot of great coaches out there who are supporting uh, to the world and also uh, leaders and executives to really understand what coaching is. And I'm 100% sure that you are a mentor and a coach as well. Huh. I'm going to have to sit down and think about that because I don't consider myself a coach, although I was talking with, um, I I have a gal that I just adore her, and I was going to just do some Mm -hmm. quick consulting with her. She came to me as a result of one of my colleagues, and, you know, she's just not ready to be where she needs to be with her book, and I didn't want to charge her for anything. So I said, look, let's just do this Mm -hmm. for four weeks, and I'll use you as my guinea pig because I think I'm a really good consultant, but normally I am paid for that. Let's do this, and that was nine weeks ago, and we're still every every Wednesday we're chatting, and I am having a ball. I'm having the best time, and, you know, I was kind of joking around with her, Simone. I said, listen, I'm not really a coach, I'm, you know, but I'm bossy. I call those leadership skills, but really I'm just bossy. She said, oh, my God, no, you're a coach, so you're the second person in a week to tell me that. But you know what? Actually, you don't have to call yourself coach, but you're using coaching competences. And, uh, you know, some people have it naturally, some don't. But, you know, the the most important coaching competences are active listening and asking great questions. Both of them equally important and both of them so tremendously useful and being like two of the best development tools, I would say. And, you know, if you are able to ask great questions, that's perfect. And we built our coaching competence or competences based on our experience, as I said earlier, you know, for my corporate career. And then you uh, learn and train the coaching competences and every single leader can be a leader as a coach. And every single consultant can be also a coach if of course, we desire so, but we have to be aware of the difference there, of course. But I would say that all of us, we are using some of the coaching or mentoring competences. And you know what? The most beautiful thing which you mentioned is that with uh, mentoring, you gain that precious and wonderful gift of giving something and the receiving back because it goes both ways. And it with does. coaching... And I'm Isn't so it? enjoying this. I mean, I would never ask her to sign up for anything or pay me. I'm having a ball. And I am learning yeah. so much just from going through this process mm-hmm. with her. So, you know, maybe I am a coach. I don't know. But I am a consultant. I do know that. <laughs> but anyway, you are a mentor as well to somebody who is younger or from a different industry. You know, I, I always share with all the professionals and leaders I meet that there is such a power in mentoring or coaching, especially in mentoring. If you decide that you're already as a senior in your role and you're going for a younger, high potential mentee, 
somebody who would love to have you as a mentor, you can learn so much, first of all, because that's a completely different generation. There is an age difference. And, you know, what a younger professional can learn from a senior leader, it's as valuable as what senior leader can learn from that young potential, young professional, because there is not only an opportunity in that digital sphere of digital technologies and all the digital skills, but also in behavior, in culture, in attitude, in our consumer preferences. And understanding all that, there is so much richness in that how we can grow as a person, not only as a professional. And I love those really developing uh, tools or developing approaches like mentorship or coaching is. And it's both ways. I'm enjoying it. And I would have (laughs) never, ever considered myself to be somebody who can say, okay, well, you know, do this. But I'm a very good strategist, so I'm really getting to the point where I think I'm going to start saying, listen, I'm a strategy consultant because I'm very good at that. I can see things Mm -hmm. that other people just don't see. I can point them out and then say, go do it. And then I'm done. I can go about my game. (laughs) Exactly. That's your zone of genius. Yeah, exactly. That's your zone of genius. But, you know, what's important to know is that we can all use, like, during our uh, working time or building relationships with our colleagues or employees or clients, and using mentoring and coaching competences. But it requires a solid decision that you would love to be a coach. And then there is a decision between I want to be a consultant or a mentor and I want to be a coach. And that's a decision because taking over a a role of a coach and really saying I am a coach is a huge responsibility. Because then, in, that, in such cases, we should not mix it up with consulting and mentoring because it's a different approach. And I said earlier, two key coaching competences like active listening and asking great open questions, those are two building spheres where we can, you can really build your coaching profile. But then being a coach, it really requires not entering into the consultant role because I could do so. And, you know, sometimes some clients also provoke me. You've been there. You've done that. Tell me how to do that. <laughs> That's not a coaching role. That's first, uh, first of all. And then the second piece, which is really important, is that you have to constantly really work on your development and growth. But that stands for coaches and for consultants. So it's important to be aware that we can always use our coaching, mentoring competences, but if we decide really to go for a coach, coaching or being a coach role as our primary zone of genius or business, then it brings with it a lot of responsibility, which is really not mixing up different approaches, methodologies, because it's not the same. And that's something what I would say is even more important to be aware of than the confidentiality piece, because confidentiality is somehow there, but being really coach and coaching people as it should be done the right way, the proper way, really igniting their thinking and helping them to discover 
all the possible things that they could do and then offer them the opportunity to build on their own inner resources. That's what coaching is about. And that's the difference. Right. And you mentioned something earlier that coaching is just exploding as an industry. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's exploding. I've seen this happen in in my business lifetime three times. Years ago, I'm I'm a web developer for those of you don't know who. Mm -hmm. I I dream in HTML. I'm a nerd in stilettos. I love, (laughs) love, love to build websites. And I love you because I don't have a clue about about it, and I love people who are great in that. I adore you, and I was completely, really, I went completely crazy, and I, as I noticed that on my Slovenian webpage that there are five keywords I should be using, and we didn't do the C optimization, so, <laughs> but anyway, I loved you. And it's interesting, but, you know, I, years ago when I first started my web development company, Mm -hmm. social media really didn't exist because I started in 2000, 2001 when I got my very extensive computer science degree that nobody cares about but me because I had to pay for it. But the thing is, here comes social media, and then here comes what's termed the virtual assistance industry. I dove straight into it because I was already consulting with my clients. I was already basically saying, yes, I built you a website, but I'm not going to abandon you. This is what else you can do. So over time, I became a very well-paid, very well-known virtual assistant until everybody who had a keyboard or had worked in a dentist office for, let's 10 minutes, all of a sudden, they were virtual assistants. It was a mess. Yeah. I'm seeing the same thing now in the podcast industry. Everybody who has any kind of a microphone is a podcaster. I'm not going to even go down that road. Now I'm seeing the mm-hmm. same thing in the coaching industry. So I would like to caution people to do what Simona is saying. Learn your craft. Learn what you're going mm-hmm. to do and do it really really well get some coaching on your own take courses do whatever you need because you cannot <clears throat> excuse me go into these industries and wing mm-hmm. it you're going to damage yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. If you're going to damage your clients that's where you know i stop take over i would say yeah absolutely agree and i support where you were leading that uh, where you were leading your thoughts but you know Actually, you can't harm somebody with coaching, but you are not helping them the way the way that they really could shine and explode with their uh, not only successes, but as well that they could achieve what they dream for. And you know, I'm so watching how the coaching developed, especially in the last two to three years and after pandemics, as everybody online is calling themselves a coach. I would say, you know what, think about it. Would you love to be a business mentor or are you a coach? And then please be aware that the credentials are important. And I'm not saying that only because I was a corporate professional before and because I am aware how important it is if you are claiming something and if you are giving yourself a title, then you have to have a background for that, not only in the experience, but as well in training, in credentials, and there there are some necessities which are so important. And uh, I would say being a coach and being aware that 
the title that I am a certified Ayrton International coach. This does not give me the privilege not to work on my development. I have to uh, recertify myself every two years. And in between, I have to do other trainings. But in the sense, it's not about have to. It's my core. My true belief is that if I don't invest in my own development and growth, why should somebody else invest in working with me? And exactly. that's the piece which is so important. And, you know, sometimes some of my friends are saying, you know, but you never talk about your background. You never talk about the credentials which you have. And I kind of, like two years ago, as I started uh, my coaching online and I started to really put it out there on social media and really developing it globally or internationally at least, I was like, okay, nobody's talking about it. Everybody's saying it's not relevant. You prove it with your results. You prove it with your projects. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is important because it's not only about those credentials or training or certificates. Those are just the add-on to my professional experience or business experience. And one goes with the other. And I believe that here is the difference what clients we talk to and what clients we reach and who are our uh, coaches, people who would love to work with us. And that's the difference. So for me, it was kind of a understanding the market, of, of course, the potential of coaching as well, but then also coming to peace with myself and just saying, you know what, it's a natural selection. The corporate and professional business experience plus the education and training and credentials will give me a sustainable business in coaching. And based on my personal integrity and that trust in confidentiality and uh, trust in non-judgmental work is something what I can really use as a basis for a long-term and sustainable and growing business. And that's my understanding. It's not only you know, coming with peace with myself, but understanding the business as it should be. And that leads, I was going to actually going to have a question that I was going to ask you, which you've already answered. <laughs> and that question was going to be, what is the difference? Denise? Can you I hear me? you a little bit. Yeah, I can hear you now. Love okay. a little bit. No worries. Well, you're calling very long distance, and we're in the middle of a big rainstorm. I live in southwest Louisiana, and we are in hurricane season. Mm-hmm. And it's but you know, that's the beauty. That's the beauty. Nothing is predictable. So life is full no. of surprises. And so it's our interview. <laughs> There's not. But anyway, what I was saying, and I'll repeat it. It probably recorded, but I'll repeat it again. You accidentally answered a question that I was going to ask you, and that question was, what is the difference between a great and an exceptional leader? And you just actually answered that for me, so thank you for that. You know what I would say is if there is a question of excellent and great leader, I would say that with leadership, I would add a, a little bit more than only to coaching, And I would say that really great leaders are compared to those really exceptional ones. The great leaders really provide 
the environment where people can grow, where there are solving problems, where there are like action plans on the table, the strategies on the table, but the exceptional leaders, they are creating the environment where they are able to create opportunities for their people and for their teams to thrive on it, to deliver them, to uh, come up with even bigger, crazier ideas and innovations. And that's for me the difference. So there are great leaders are problem solvers and strategists and action takers. And those exceptional leaders are those who are providing opportunities for great results, but also for growth of their people. Well, Simona, since we're talking about leadership, what is the best leadership advice that you share with your clients? Is there any, I'm sure there's a lot, but are there any maybe one, two, or three categories that you, you're you constantly dealing with with your clients? You know what? There are different challenges my clients come with or bring to the table as they first call me, but uh, usually it's their challenges are related uh, either to their career development at whatever stage. Even senior people are, or senior VPs are thinking about plural ca- ca- uh, careers in the sense of being a consultant or a strategic uh, senior consultant advisor to company and having a role of a VP. Or if we look at the uh, development of a uh, experienced leader already having a GM role, they are going after a CEO role, so it's kind of a career development. Other challenges are related to the performance and being really exceptional in not only providing and creating a strategy, but as well being able to uh, bring to the table a long-term compelling vision, which is then the base for strategy. And the other piece is more and recently very, very strongly related to the leadership in the remote world or uh, remote work, where really a lot of uh, colleagues, employees, and a lot of people are working remotely. And here, a lot of challenges uh, are visible after a year and a half. And, uh, very much. Yeah, 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 and I can notice that here really is uh, here really is a big, big challenge, and you will not believe it. But often it has to do either with work-life balance, because those leaders are really struggling to uh, be a great communicator, transparent, motivating, but as well challenging, and uh, really expressing all range of emotions on remote or really online, not working person to person. And that brings a lot of individuals into a stressful situation or in a situation where they really struggle to find not only the balance, but as well to find the strength and the energy to manage all of that. So all in all, what I was trying to say that lately, a lot of leaders or executives which are coming or reaching out for a coaching is exactly because of that. You know, there is so much work. I have a remote team. I'm, uh, I'm really challenge, uh, challenged and I'm challenging myself or I have a challenge with how to lead those individuals who suddenly have their private family lives and professional lives, everything at once, but so do the leaders. So the best piece of advice 
but you asked me, actually it's hard to say, you know, because it's so individual and because I work one-on-one, that's my primary way how I do coaching. It's really something that it just comes out from the discussion with the person. But I would say that really being fierce at the same time, being able to show your emotions, exactly how you feel, either being afraid of the situation, being positive, being cheerful, or just, you know, sometimes also feeling exhausted. That's something that's so important because then, as a leader, you are showing your authentic self, and that's so relevant in the world of the remote work. And that's kind of a best advice I share lately with my clients, really show who you are, be authentic as you can be, not crying in every single situation, but really showing, show to your colleagues and your organization that you do care and that you understand that sometimes it's hard because it's hard for you as well, not only for them. And it's unbelievable what a glue it is and what an inspiration and motivation. It's even better than the one where the leader, especially the first-time CEOs, are only positive and motivational and they don't ever kind of give the feeling to their organization that they also struggle. And that's exactly the piece where the power of a leader comes out and shines through in the world as we are living now. And while you're telling me this about leadership, leadership is a, it's almost a buzzword. We're hearing so much about coaching and leadership. Mm-hmm. Used to be, and I'm, I don't even know how many years I've been noticing this, but, you know, we've, we've morphed. We've gone from, okay, I'm the boss. Do what I tell you. Nobody mm-hmm. gets hurt. Mm-hmm. We've moved away from that largely, I think. There are some people who just, they're the boss and you better just pay attention. Fortunately, that's kind of a dying breed, I think. So now we've moved in, I don't know, our lingo, you know, our thinking from being just a boss occupying that corner office to being a leader, which is something entirely different. And now we need to make sure that our leadership actually makes sense. And I think that's where coaching, you know, high-stakes coaching Mm -hmm. comes into it. Am I wrong? No, 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 you are completely right. And there is additional piece of uh, understanding what leadership really is about. And, you know, you are completely right. It went from being a boss, being a manager, being a leader with uh, a lot of focus uh, and a lot of, awareness, but as well education in the area of empathy, how we use our EQ and how we we use empathy really to work. Exactly. But uh, like lately, what I noticed and how leadership really developed is that, uh, you know, you have to, as a leader, the most important competence is besides being a good listener and really being uh, transparent in your communication and asking great questions to be able to provide opportunities for people to grow and to show that they can do it, I believe that there is one additional piece which is so important and it is related to the fact that you have to be aware of yourself and uh, not only 
aware of yourself and use the self-leadership, but as well to adjust your leadership style to every single situation which appears. And that's the beauty and that's the strength of the leaders. You know, some organizations or sometimes, like for example, pandemic, requires completely different leadership style than in the area of growth or expansion. And for leaders, it's so important that they are aware of what they bring to the table, who they are, what are their personality traits, what are their strengths, and what what are the segments where they can have the biggest impact and then adjust it, mold it in a leadership style which will truly have the biggest impact. And sometimes it requires tough decisions. Sometimes it requires really making a high-stake decision, which, is, which can be also a huge layoff. But if you do it with the not only integrity, but transparent communication and really showing respect towards people in the organization, then you can do remarkable results, even though the decision might be tough and not the most positive one. I agree. And I believe that... That's extremely important, especially for the like first-time CEOs and uh, really or professionals who are take, taking over the, for the first time the leadership role. Just be aware and work on understanding your competency profile, understanding yourself. How do you act and react? How much time do you need to reflect and then learn out of it and adapt it? And that adaptation and uh, really using a leadership style which brings out the most out of your people, not yourself, that I believe is really that authentic approach. Because then it's simply, you know, knowing ourselves, it's simply understanding how we impact others and how we manage other people's reactions and emotions. And now we come back to the empathy. <laughs> right, which is so important. But while you're talking, mm-hmm. I keep, I have these thought bubbles popping up over mm-hmm. my head. And it appears to me that you're talking about the difference between strategic and operational leadership. So let's yeah. talk about those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, there, there is a good article in Harvard Business Review about the difference between one and the other. And I read it five, six years ago, something like that. And, you know, there was a discussion about which is more important. Uh, Do we need only one or do we need the other one or do we need both in what, um, for example, how do we really use it as a leader? I would say, you know, that both are equally important. The difference is for me and how I see it with my clients and working with leaders is that really – Operational leadership uh, creates and provides strategy and action plans, and that's exactly where leaders will gain respect because, you know, other, the organization and employees will see that they are somebody who is able to create a strategy, who is able to uh, provide them a vision where they can live on, in which they believe and then deliver the results, that's operational leadership. And really that creates respect in the organization for that significant individual who is either a CEO, a VP, GM, or just a business leader. But the other piece, the strategic leadership, piece where 
trust is created. And it's based on the fact that, you know, as soon as you provide the strategy and the action plans and the vision and the mission on which strategy is based on, you have to ensure that there is enough resources available, that you really stand behind it, that you really walk that talk, and then you gain trust. And here is where the strategic leadership is really so important. So providing the means and the resources for the strategy to be able to execute it, for operational things to be able to done, and then mixture of both of those, which are equally important and uh, equally relevant for a leader, that's something what I believe it's sometimes misunderstood, sometimes also not understood for leaders, but all in all, I would say that being able as a leader to create a long-term vision, a mission, really those sometimes extraordinarily big audacious goals for your company or even industry, that's key. But then as a leader, you have to be able to ensure the resources and the investment needed to be able to, for that strategy to live. And that's right. You have to be able to one and the other. Right. You have to be able to execute it. It's one thing to have these great ideas, but if you can't make them happen, you're just talking. You're just chatting. Nothing really is happening. Exactly. And you know what, Denise, uh, the piece here, which is really relevant, uh, leaders don't execute their strategies and uh, visions. They have to enable the resources for their people and their organization to be able to deliver on them. And that's where the trust is built. Well, that makes sense. Now, I wanted to go back to where we first started when I was introducing mm-hmm. you, because, you know, I introduced you as an executive leader and, you know, you you have the question. You have everybody's back, but who's got yours? Good question. <laughs> yeah, as an executive coach, really, I as I was thinking about that sentence, you know, that quote, which somehow propels you into the world of the online coaching, that was something that really resonated with me because I know that, you know, those executives and leaders I work with and a lot of people out there, they always pay attention to others. They are always there for others because they know it's their role and they know it's so important for the success of the company and they know how important it is for the engagement of their employees. But then suddenly they find, them, find themselves with their own challenges, personal challenges, where they don't have somebody just to talk to have a chat, somebody who is really not only not judgmental, but only who does not have what any kind of interest, but however they decide for what they would love to do or how they really make their decisions. And here is the, exactly here is the moment where I as an executive coach uh, can help and where I work with my clients in that areas where, you know, a lot of executives think, you know what, but I don't have time for coaching anyway. I'm spending a lot of time with my team. I know where my focus is. And that's exactly their problem. Because they are putting everybody else first and they forget about themselves. And you know, the higher we go, yeah. Yeah, higher we go, the lonelier it is. And uh, also, some CEOs, they know that there is a crowd around them, but actually they're on their own. 
And uh, that's why it's so important for a first-time CEO or a senior CEO or a senior executive leader to consider having a coach because that's exactly the moment and uh, the space where they can loudly explain their challenges, their inner battles, but as well discuss the opportunities and the vision they have and uh, the goals and the plans which they have and just let them out there and then to see what can grow out of it. And nobody will use and misuse, misuse that. I, I have to ask you, when, when some of these very high-powered, very used to doing it their own kind of a way, executives come mm-hmm. to you, do you have some pushback when you first start with them? I would, I'm thinking you might, you know, because nobody really likes to be told what to do, right? I don't. I argue mm-hmm. with my, my GPS. She tells me to go left. I tell her she's not the boss of me. (laughs) Dealing with my own experiences, being told what to do, it never goes well. I'm wondering how much how much pushback you get in in the beginning. You know what? Actually, that's the beauty of coaching. I never tell to my clients what they should do. I just Uh ask them questions, what they would love to do, what they would love to see to achieve. Where do they see themselves in 10 years? Who is with them there? Who can be somebody help them going there? So asking all those questions so they are really triggered and they are not only enjoying that, what they create, but they actually have the accountability minds and they source it from their own resources or experiences. And that's the beauty. So I don't get pushed back there because that's the way of my coaching methodology. And I'm enjoying that really. But uh, sometimes it might happen that uh, an HR recommends coaching to a senior CEO and then he might not be or she might might not be really 100% interested or... uh, 100% persuade that that coaching is something that they really need. And then my role as a coach is to really go with them for that first initial just introduction or intake session, introduce myself and have a chat with them and to see if we can click, if we can create that deeply trustful and open relationship so we can work together. That's it then coaching is just a beautiful development uh, approach and uh, methodology. Now, what happens and I would if say you... a relationship? <laughs> Pardon? Yeah. I was going to ask, when you're in that, that room, if you will, and the person who is being advised to have a coach is just like, nope, not going to do it. I'm not interested. Does that happen very often? Do they really just say, no, I've got this. I don't need any... Yeah, I'm busy. I don't need anything further. Yeah, usually, you know, if they are not interested and then, if some, for example, HR or a colleague, or a board colleague, for example, pushes them, you should do that because otherwise, you know, you will most probably not keep your job for next year. Mm-hmm. Then Ouch. they, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, it happens as well, you know, because sometimes, we are in a situation where we are extremely successful and uh, as a leader, uh, leaders sometimes might not notice that what brought them here will not bring them there. 
and uh, that they have to change something and it, there is a need really either to change a communication style, to change a delegation style, or just the approach how they uh, lead their team of executives. And uh, here it might happen that there is kind of a no, I don't need it, but just, you know, willingness already that an individual or a leader comes to an intake session or for a discussion with a coach, that's already a little, little fire in there, which is a curiosity or just a think of let's see how it goes. And then it depends on the coach whom they need. And what's really important here is that uh, the HR or the organization or individual talks to a few of coaches just, just to see who fits them best. Because, you know, I might not be the coach for everybody. I have a specific uh, uh, energy. I have a specific way. How do I talk? How do I coach? And, uh, you know, it might not fit to everybody, and it doesn't. And that's good like that because, you know, it's good to have a chat or just talk to a one or two or three coaches and to see who fits you the best, who fits your challenge the best, your personality as a leader, your uh, challenges as a leader, your values as a person, and then decide based on that. You don't have to go for the first coach you need or to, for the first coach you were introduced to. So that's that is usually, and that's a beautiful right. approach. How people it's a really stellar, it. stellar advice yeah. because... It is so easy to just say, oh, yeah, 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 I can afford this. Or, I, you know, I like the way they they work. But then you find out when mm-hmm. it's almost a little bit too late, it might not yeah. have been yeah. the best choice. So interview, yeah. interview, interview. Make that decision after you've done some of your own homework. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree. And always asking for a referral or recommendation and then decide for yourself, really, as a leader, as an executive, as an individual, deciding for a coach, really discuss with different people, meet different coaches, and just decide on that gut feeling that you can really trust that person and then you can have a fully open relationship with your coach and then go for it. And, you know, that's a really good advice also for the first-time CEOs as we named our interview like that. Really, I would advise every single new or the first-time CEO to find a coach besides taking some other actions as well, like uh, not having too high expectations towards themselves, but really helping them navigate all those new information as a new CEO, uh, helping them deciding what change they would like to make and what pace they should decide for to go with either with changes or implementation on new things. Coach can really help here. Absolutely. And, you know, since COVID, the pandemic, it's a whole different world out there. We've had to learn new technologies. We've had to learn new ways of communicating and networking with people. We've had to learn different ways of being present in Zoom calls. You wouldn't Mm -hmm. think that somebody teaching a webinar on etiquette on a Zoom call would be necessary, but it is. And I'm going to yeah. tell you right now, if you're on a Zoom call and you're eating cereal and your microphone is on, I'm out. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming back. 
Close your mouth or put the bowl down. I don't care, but just stop. You know what? I even go further. I always require and I love watching people as they are. So I always ask everybody if we have a group meeting or sometimes also a group coaching for organizations here in the region that they switch on their camera as well. Sometimes there might be, might, uh, might be a reluctance due to the environment we live in, but, you know, there are always those virtual backgrounds available. Just be seen because then you are present and then you are actually showing a respect as a participant, as a coach. You know, you are there for everybody else and that's how we support each other in Zoom, on the remote, in online. And it's that not only the voice. Yeah, that makes sense. I get a kick out of, I know a lot of people across the world, and one of the big things, you're going to think I'm crazy, hang on, I needed to cough there. One of the biggest things I'm seeing right now is people are saying, well, I was on a Zoom call with my client in Washington, D.C., and my cat licked its butt right in front of God and everybody. Apparently, that's that's a big deal right now, because anybody who has cats knows that they have no manners, and they're good, going to get between you and your Zoom. But yeah, I think it. I laugh at them because I think it makes something that might have been maybe a little bit too serious. It gives you a chuckle, and then you can move on. So I, I find them funny. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, once we had a, a online group coaching with uh, one organization and with our team during pandemic, and uh, one part was dedicated. Uh, especially to this piece that I found different, really funny situations which happened on Zoom and I was sharing all those events with the participants just to, you know, make it a bit easier and relaxed. You know, we are humans and, you know, there, there were even like different types of Zoomers. Like I'm a coffee Zoomer, for example. I always drink something. I'm not eating in front of camera, but I would drink because that's my habit. The other one, I don't know, looking around. The third ones are exactly animal people, having dogs and cats on their table. But that's who we are. And that's the beauty of that online. And you can show a piece of yourself. And you know what? That's the beauty of social media as well. We are not only professionals. And I'm not only an executive coach. I'm as well Simona. And I come from that small village in Slovenia, and I have my uh, really uh, desires, and I have my dreams, and I love black and white movies, and I adore Hitchcock and Agatha Christie, and that's all me. And it's so beautiful that we can also share that piece of us, and that's kind of a connection piece or a glue, which not only attracts clients, which is course one of the strategies but that's also a piece which shows us as human and I just human. say that that's, that's the beauty of social media you know it is. it's not only about being smart and being you know a teacher or being a coach it's also being a person with all our flaws and all our desires and uh, dreams Exactly. You know, when I first started building websites, and this was before WordPress, this was before we had GUI, Graphical User Interface, we could build a website that basically was text on 
white text on a blue background or mm -hmm. black text on a white mm -hmm. background. We really couldn't do much with it. Then we got to where we could add, God, I feel old now. <laughs> but we got to where we could add images. And the big thing back in the day was we had to be professional. We had to have that horrible, almost banker-like pose. Oh. Where remember mm. those? Where we were standing in front of a, a in back of a leather chair with our grandfather's portrait behind us, and we had to be mm. so <laughs> professional and so boring. Now people want to know who you are, why you do what you do, how you can help them. Big yeah. shifts, big, yeah. big, big shifts. Yeah, Simona, yeah. we are. I can't believe this hour went so quickly, and I'm surprised, <laughs> given my weather here, oh. that you, know, you were able to stay together. But tell people where they can find you. Yeah, sure. i just add something a little bit to what you just shared. You know, that's exactly me. I was exactly very that. I was raised in the corporate world, and I was all about professional professionalism and being me as a coach and me sharing the knowledge, being afraid that I don't know enough. And then suddenly I recognize that I'm also Simona, and that's showing that I'm vulnerable and that I have mistakes and that I've done mistakes and that I can learn from them for so important for me and I needed time though really it wasn't easy but I learned that I don't have to be that alpha male woman that is also really <laughs> great great to show people who I really am of course I'm successful but I also have my fights and wars inside of me and I'm, I love sharing those and if you would love to find a little bit of my wisdom and my experience and advices I share and also who I am as Mona, then go for on LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn. My uh, profile is Simona Spilak, or you can go to my webpage, which is www.simonaspilak.com, or just find me on Facebook or Instagram. But I'm really the most active. I'm on my LinkedIn, but I also have my LinkedIn live interviews with a lot of interesting guests and uh, a lot of my own um, authentic content. Thank you, Simona. It has been really wonderful <laughs> chatting with you today, and I thoroughly enjoyed the pre-interview that Thank we did you. as well. Often I will just wish that we could have recorded those pre-interviews because they're so fun, but it's not part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, you know, that, 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 that's where, that's where that real Simona and real Denise do come out even in a more colorful I don't have any filters, just so anybody who's listening, I'm an introvert with no filters. You do not want me outside. But listen, Simona, I thank you for all of your terrific tips and your advice and just being here, you know, being here oh. from Slovenia, you know, being very patient with me while the, the weather rages around me. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes and really anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. I'm an audible. I'm seriously you cannot throw a stick on the internet without hitting your partner in success radio. So go find a stick. Go find us. Just look for your partner in success radio and take us along on your success journey. Simona, thank you. Oh thanks a lot for having me. I'm really grateful Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.